0: Today we are going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, which is towards the beginning of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's page 235 in the blue Bible in front of you. It's helpful always to have the text open as we talk about it. And I realize I'm sort of going off road here this morning by not keeping with Luke, uh, because it normally would be in Luke That's our series in Luke 13, but as it just turned out, Luke 13 and the passage I was going to preach on didn't fit like I would have wanted it to with uh, the the communicants class, so I was looking for a change when I got a call on Tuesday morning from Benny Matthews. Benny Matthews is the president of Alpha Ministries, a ministry we support, and a very impressive leaders there and impressive in terms of what they're trying to do they're mainly trying to create pastors who can pastor churches in hostile areas and when I say hostile I mean you're getting beaten in these areas and so today they have a graduation ceremony of 70 pastors and they haven't had had one of these uh, because of COVID and other restrictions And so he called me on Tuesday and said, would you be available Sunday morning to preach to our pastors and give them a charge? And I said, well, I'm available between 10 and 1045. And he said, well, we can make that happen. So I was like, okay, I'm going to shift gears because now I'm going to have to preach here, go preach by Zoom there, and then come back and preach here again. Uh, so we're all set up for that, and then at 4 o'clock this morning, which was a joy to get texts at 4 o'clock this morning, I got an extra hour of sleep, so no problem, uh, from Benny, saying, hey, we got to do it at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, which is fine, but you I know, had, uh, had all these things in place and all geared up for this particular sermon to match with that, and so um, you'll understand why we're in this particular passage Um, It was really an honor to teach these people this passage when I went over there several years ago, and it left a deep impression on me as I talked to these men and their wives about moving out into different hostile settings. Uh, So let's look at this passage together in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we'll read the first 15 verses. One day, Jonathan the son of Saul, who is the king at this point, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migrum, and the people who were with him were about 600. And the people didn't know that Jonathan had gone out. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the other side, on one side, and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozez, and the name of the other was Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or a few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, Then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison, hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up with his hands in his feet and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed after him. And that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, a half a furrow's length of an acre, And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, And among all the people, and the garrison and even the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Let's pray together. Lord, as we think about this moment for Jonathan and his armor bearer, and the need of our day, both here in America and India, for Jonathan's. For armor bearers. For men and women who would crawl out of a cave of fear. Look at the problem and see it as an opportunity to display the glory of God. Would you strengthen us? Would you strengthen the pastors in India as they meet together this afternoon? With your words of encouragement, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had a fatal flaw, a fatal flaw. With his mouth, he said he followed God, but with his actions, he followed himself. Does this sound familiar? If you came and talked to him, he could tell you exactly the right words to say, and he would sound convincing. But when the pressure got on, when certain circumstances had, you know, had gripped his heart, he, he got afraid and he just followed his feelings rather than his faith. Saul knows what's right, but he does what feels right. And it's very important to know that Saul didn't forget about God. It's not like he just said, well, I don't believe in God anymore. He said, I believe in God, but God took like a backseat to his feelings. I mean, I know what God says, but if I feel different, then I've got to act on my feelings, not what God says. So God gets a back seat. God's word sits behind. And Christians are, today are tempted to do the same thing. We haven't forgotten about God, but there's a tendency to just say, well, he sits behind my feelings. He sits behind my pressures. He sits behind my fears. And in the second service, when the communicants are here, I will say to them, there will be many days ahead when you will be faced to face, faced with your fears, faced with pressures, and challenged in your faith. Trust God. Don't, don't push God to the back seat. Don't just stand up here and say something today, but then act some way different tomorrow. Move ahead in your faith. In 1 Samuel 13, we have an illustration here of Saul's fatal flaw. As the king, he was responsible to protect the people. When enemies came into Israel, and the arch enemy of Israel are the Philistines, when they came in to invade the land, when they came in to enslave the people, it was the role of the king to be at the tip of the spear. He wasn't just a president, he was like a general. He's the one who's supposed to sort of lead the charge. And that was Paul's commission. The Philistines here have entered into Israel, and they've set up battle, and they've lined out two different battle lines. You saw it in the reading. They're on opposite sides of a ravine. So they've set up their side, and then there's a ravine, and then Israel has gathered to their side. And each side of the ravine even has a name, Bozes, which means slippery, and Sina, which means thorny. So it makes sort of a natural boundary. You've got a a thorny, slippery ravine in between these two armies, and they're all sort of safely setting up, ready to advance one against another. And on the Philistine side, you can read in chapter 13, verse 5, they have 30,000 chariots. They have 6,000 horsemen. And here I quote, they have troops like the sand on the seashore. Okay, so you get that feeling? You're standing on one side of the ravine, and you're looking over there, and there's 30,000. I just can't even imagine what 30,000 chariots felt like or sound like when they all rolled together. 6,000 men on horses, and then sort of just the army, it, just too many to number. But thankfully, we have the Israelites on the other side. They have 600 men. In chapter 13, verse 19, it says that in Israel, there was no blacksmith or metal worker. So the only two men with swords are Saul and his son, Jonathan. Everyone else has a rake or a branch or a club. You you feel the imbalance here. We've got 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and an endless number of troops and we got 600 men and the leader, the only one with a sword beside his son, he's hiding in a cave, the pomegranate cave. He was frozen in fear. I mean, I don't know what's going through Saul's mind, but my guess it's something like if I hide, then maybe all my problems will go away. Have you ever done this? I know there's giant problems out there, but if I sort of withdraw and hide, then maybe over time they just magically disappear. Oh, I've wanted that to happen so many times. Just to say, if I just close myself in, then suddenly they just somehow they disappear, they dissipate, and that that doesn't happen. Actually, the opposite happens. All of his men start hiding in caves as well. So just like you know, what, what the leader feels goes down into the troops. So his fear is filtering out like a circulatory system. And here we have 600 men, two men with swords, they're all in a cave. So this looks like a hopeless situation. And if you were directing a movie, you would cue Mission Impossible. Da 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 da. I mean, you just know It's not going to work out. It's an impossible mission. But unless God does something, unless he sends somebody in, not Tom Cruise, but Jonathan, there's no way that people are going to win. And God does send in two extraordinary men of courage, Jonathan and his armor bearer. And the key verses are six and seven. Jonathan said to the young man who was his armor bearer, come let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised to the philistines it may be that the lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the lord from saving by many or by few and his armor bearer said to him do all that is in your heart do as you wish behold i am with you heart and soul from verse 1, we know Jonathan and his armor-bearer first had to crawl out of the cave. Did you notice that they didn't tell anybody? Well, why didn't they tell Saul? Have you ever been stuck in the cave of someone else's fear? I mean, you didn't plan it, but because of your parents or because of your spouse or because of your boss or some, whatever situation, it's somebody else's fear and every time you ask them about something, oh, that's not possible. You know that person? They, they, they can never see any possibilities. They only see problems. And you come to them and say, let's try this or let's do this or let's go. There. Well, no, see if you do that. Well, I, that, I tried that and that didn't work. So you're always going to get stuck in this sort of this cycle of being in a cave. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer sneak out of the cave. And there might be some of us here right now stuck in the cave. Of someone else's fear. And it takes great courage. This is not a simple thing to do. Is to crawl out. Just to say. I can't live in my dad's fear anymore. I can't live in my spouse's fear. I can't live in Fox News fear. I just can't live in this constant fear based cave. And it's going to take courage and you're going to break a lot of hearts and a lot of molds to just say I've got to crawl out of the cave. That's that might be the biggest victory Jonathan wins in this story. So the two of them they crawl out. And then Jonathan proposes a plan. Let's hey, armor bear. How about the two of us take on everybody? <laughs> I mean, you wonder what the armor bear is thinking. Like, I mean, I love Jonathan, but bad plan, Jonathan. Like, that's what I would have said. Great. Let's let's think again before we do that one. And and notice how he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. It may be. In one one version it says, Perhaps. That's this is a very important little phrase in here. They're standing at the edge of this ravine. Slippery on one side, thorny on the other. Thousands of soldiers. It's just these two guys at night. And Jonathan doesn't say, I know what God's going to do. He says, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, God can save by many or by few. One commentator, I really appreciated his comments on this. Many think that saying perhaps cuts the nerve of faith. Feel that? If I I have any hesitation, then that sort of like cuts the nerve. They say if faith is faith, it must always be certain, dogmatic, absolutely positive. Faith, however, must not be confused with arrogance. Jonathan's perhaps is part of his faith. He confesses the power of God. He knows God can save him, yet he retains the freedom of God. Real faith does not dictate to God as if the Lord is its errand boy. You hear that? Real faith is, I don't, I'm not sure what God is going to do. I mean, I know he can do this, but I'm not, I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. But I think if we have a plan, let's see, let's see if God is for us. So Jonathan's doctrine is not name it and claim it. It's courage and curiosity. If you're one of these three young children, have courage. Be curious in what God might do. Don't be arrogant and think you know. Here in chapter 14, Jonathan has a great victory. And after the victory, he goes to David and says, you know what? You and I, I'm going to be your armor bearer one day. I know I'm in line for the king, but I know you're the real king. And when this is all over, you're going to be the king and I'm going to be your right-hand man. And this sounds like an awesome plan to me, except for he dies at the end of 1 Samuel. You see, sometimes you go out and you have a win. And sometimes you go out and you don't come back. So perhaps be curious Be courageous. See what God might have. I have known Christians who would benefit by adding perhaps to their claims of what God would do. So Jonathan floats this idea by his armor bearer because his armor bearer has a pretty big stake in Jonathan's plan. And you just want to kiss this guy after his response, don't you? Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. And then he lays out this game plan. You know, if they say, come up to us, then we know that's the that's signal from the Lord. If they say, stay there, then we know God is not with us. So he sort of lays out his game plan, and the two men, they're standing, standing by the edge of the riverbed. They're willing to uncouple themselves from the fear of the culture, especially their father, and couple themselves with the faith it takes to believe in God and take on an entire army. In Luke chapter 12, we've been walking with Jesus. We've been saying all these different things. Jesus is looking for somebody who's going to follow. It's getting tense in Luke 13. And in the midst of this great crowd, remember tens of thousands of people, Jesus looks at these 12 men and says, I need you to follow. When the crowd starts saying, crucify, I need you to stay with me. Those, those are the kinds of people I'm looking for. When I send you away from the pastor's conference and you go back into a town that wants to beat you and throw your family out of the town, I need you to stay with me. I need Jonathans and armor bearers today that will leave the confines of Christ Community Church and go out into their neighborhood or go out into their uh, teams or go out into their businesses, go out into the city and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm for the Lord. I don't know exactly what He's up to, but I'm going to stay faithful. And sometimes that means I move forward. Sometimes that means I just stand still. And it might mean for some of us we go down. But I'm going to stay Faithful. God is still looking for Jonathan's today. Well, the game plan works. They ask him to come up, and there's a great win here, and the results is the earthquake. A great panic set on. And meanwhile, back at the Israel's base camp, the six hundred men left back, they see something happening. They notice all the noise, and it sort of looks like a fire ant hill that's been kicked over. Everybody's scrambling. And if you read through the rest of the chapter, Saul's men joined the battle. Israelites who had defected to the Philistines become Israelites again. Other men who were hiding in caves come out all because of two men's courage. Courage. There might be a whole community just waiting for two people to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And if they could just see you step out, they may just say, I've been waiting for that person. I couldn't be the tip of the spear, but I want to join in. Would somebody have the courage? And that, that could be you. That could be you and your family. You could crawl out of a cave and bring your family with you. Say, we're not going to stay like this anymore. Or a culture Last thing that happens here, verse 23 and verse 14. It's important to see this. So the Lord saved Israel that day. God gets all the glory. And this is the way God operates. I don't want you to think this is a one-off. This is constantly through the Bible. God's always looking for people to partner with him. So quite a story, quite a story. Let me just give you three points in our closing for application. Until Jesus' return, there are many battles to fight and God is looking for partners. And you don't have to have any special qualification or skill except for faithfulness and courage, curiosity. It's not your background, it's not your education, it's not your ability to speak, it's not any of those things, it's just... You have courage, you have curiosity. I lo- I'm, I'm doing In the Iron Leadership, I'm doing a study on Moses, and I love chapter 3. You remember in the burning bush, God comes to Moses and he says this, I've come down to deliver my people. And if I were Moses, I'd be like, go get them, God. That's awesome. And then what does he say? I'm choosing you to do it. I'd be like, bad choice. I mean, come on, that's what Moses does, right? I mean, I can deliver them all by myself, but I'm here to partner with somebody. And you're my partner, Moses. You're going to be the one who leads them out. Isaiah 6, 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, you know it. Here I am. Send me. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's still, his eyes are still ranging throughout the whole earth, just wanting the Jonathan and armor-bearer to say, I'll be that person. Can you be that person? First, is there a cave of fear you have to crawl out of? I'm just afraid, Paul, of going to to my business and really living for the Lord. Because it'll cost me something. I'm really afraid of saying it at Thanksgiving to my wayward family. I mean, they're going to think I'm nutty or lost or stupid or... I'm afraid to say it in front of my professors at UNCW. I'm afraid to say it to my spouse, my kids. See, the first step is you've got to trust the Lord, crawl out of the cave. He's looking for people to partner. Second, he's partnering with people who are, have courage and curiosity. Can you stand in different places and say, I'm here, and I'm just ready for God to move, and I'll move behind him. And don't pretend to be God. Don't think you know exactly what his plan is because so frequently it's not your, his plan is not your plan. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. just say perhaps. I don't know how God might move, but I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to try some things. I'm going to say, well, if I do this and the door seems to open, then I'm going to go that way. I'm I'm not just standing still. I'm going to try to start navigating forward in some way just to see how God might be moving. I might miss it a time or two, but I'm going to be moving forward. And who knows? Your little step forward might cause an earthquake. Maybe you say, Paul, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm excited about all that, but I'm not a Jonathan. I mean, maybe I should be, but I mean, look, I'm old enough to know that I'm just not a Jonathan. I'm not a tip of the spear kind of person. I just can't be that person. To me, I say, awesome, be an armor bearer. Not everybody is a Jonathan, but you can be. Everybody can be an armor bearer. You can find someone to stand next to and say, I'm going to be with you. You step, I step. You go, I go. I'm going to be an armor bearer. For just a few minutes tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, I get to be an armor bearer for these 70 men. And just say, I want you to know I'm with you. I wish I was there with you. But I am with you, heart and soul. You can do this. Now, when I delivered this passage to the people in India, to the pastors there, remember India, 1.4 billion people. That's that's four times the people in America. You think the traffic is bad here? 2.3% Christian. So virtually you know no one that's a Christian. No gathering like this. all of them under a great deal of pressure. So 2.3% versus 1.4 sounds a lot like two people against 30,000 chariots. And when I closed with the interpreter, I said, who wants to be a Jonathan? Who wants to be an armor bearer, their wives standing faithfully next to their husband? Powerful moment. These men and women just rose to their feet. Yes, that's what I thought they were saying. They were saying something. <laughs> sounded like yes, and just spontaneously broke out into this great song, kind of like you feel like an army moving out. They have a song like that. It's a song sort of propels them forward into a very dark place. On the night Jesus was betrayed, the very last thing they do before they leave the upper room, you know what it is? They sing a song. Think about this, Jesus. He's going into a dark tunnel. And he and his disciples start singing the song. It comes from Psalm 118. Going into the darkness, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then his disciples would respond, for his steadfast love endures forever. I mean, I would have loved to be at this moment. When Jesus sang this song and all 12 of his disciples, or 11, sang back, yes, he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. There may be a few of us this morning... That are in a cave of fear. And today, you're not facing the whole army, you're just in the cave. It's time to come out. I want you to know the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever. For others, it's time. It's time to be a Jonathan. It's time to be an armor bearer. It's time to say, hey, before everything crumbles and I'm not, I'm not uh, putting my vote out for politics as the thing that's going to save us, God's going to do something. He could do something with just a few people like this in a big city if people have courage and curiosity. So on the night he was betrayed, he says, look, guys, I'm going to be with you. In fact, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to give my body and my blood for you so that you don't have to worry about the future. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to conquer death on your behalf so you can have courage to follow into the darkest places whether you win or you don't come back. You can trust in me. So let's take our communion here. You peel off that top layer. And I want you to think about for a moment just oh, I don't know how old the communicants are, maybe 10, 8 or 10. They'll be up here in the second service. Just think about the courage they're going to need in the next 60 years in America. I want you to think about these men and women who are we're going to preach to you tomorrow at seven a.m., and the courage they're going to need. And would you take courage that the Lord Almighty is with you? Let's take it. Eat together. Let's pray, Lord. We uh, come this morning. Our hearts are joined with these families and these three young children who are going to be baptized and take their first communion and join our community of faith in a unique way. Our hearts are joined with these men and women in India that are being commissioned to be sent out into places that we would tremble to go. But you commissioned us as well to be Jonathans and armor bearers here Would you help your people who are caught in caves of fear to come out? And would you call all of us to stand and look into what seems like an overwhelming tide coming from our culture and not be afraid. But know that you can make the earthquake for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.